0: We are preaching through the book of Ecclesiastes, okay? How many of you... Enjoy, enjoy Ecclesiastes. I don't know if enjoy is the right kind of word for this book. But, but you enjoy it in, in, in some philosophical way, in some kind of deep, kind of soul-searching kind of way. Um, I enjoy Ecclesiastes very much. In fact, um, it is fast becoming one of my, my really loved books of the Bible. Now, uh, today, I want to preach to you a sermon entitled, Time Destroys All That You Love. <laughs> <laughs> now, no, in case, in case you guys are, Athalia was like, "Dude, your your sermon titles are so depressing, right?" <laughs> and that's the point. Okay, it's part of the. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, this thing has ran a little bit, but yes, um, that's that's part of the point. Okay, because it, it, I'm trying to to give you the flavor of ecclesia of much of the parts of ecclesiastes. And today, uh, today's sermon will really be about uh, what the teacher, uh, in Hebrew is called the koheleth right? What the Koheleth is trying to teach the people or uh, observe about the world they live in pertaining to issues about time. Okay, And if I can give you a picture Paint you a picture of um, the substance of today's sermon By the way, how many of you were here uh, Were not here last week? Just give me a little wave Not here, you missed it Because that's really going to help me um, To know how many of you um, need just a little bit of a Right, okay? And so, just that little bit um, Ecclesiastes was written by an unnamed author And he tells about a teacher Teaching. So most of the book is the teacher teaching, right? And the teacher is very likely to be Solomon, even though he's not named Solomon in the book, right? And so last week we gave you a bit of an overview about how um, the the teacher is saying uh, that all of life is like smoke. Right, um, and that's where we get the Hebrew word havel, havel, havelim, hakol, havel. Right, it's like smoke. All is like smoke. You know what? Everything is like smoke. Right, um, and why do I say smoke instead of meaningless? What the Hebrew word really tries to convey is that it is like vapor. It's just unconscious. You just can't grasp it. You try to touch it. You can't take it. You try to it, it just loses its form. You know, there is just no way you can, it's elusive. It's always just out of your reach, right? And so today if I can give you a picture of what today's sermon is like imagine a video reel that goes in a loop, okay? I want you to imagine a video reel that goes in a loop but the video reel is of waves crashing into the side of a cliff and you just keep going, boosh over and over and over again. And that wave is not particularly violent. It's not particularly aggressive. That wave just keeps hitting and hitting and hitting at the, at the edge of the cliff. And every time it hits, it chisels away just that little bit of rock. And... A hundred years on, it chisels more rock Two, three hundred years on It chisels away more and more and more rock So that in the thousands upon thousands of years The rock is eroded further and further in, right? And this video goes in a loop And what the teacher, what Koheleth is going to do today Is he's going to look at that thing And then he's going to zoom out And then he's going to zoom out into the tens of years So he sees the repetition of life now And then he's going to zoom out and say What does it look like when you look at life through the tens of years Right? A a sweep of 50 years A sweep of 85 years And then he zooms out even further And he says, what does life look like when you look at it from a sweep of a few thousand years And then he steps even further and he steps so far back that he sees all of the repetition happening in the world that we live in. And he says, this whole thing is senseless. It's almost like, why, does, why do all these things keep happening and nothing changes? And so, um, one of my favorite Filmmakers. He's an art filmmaker from France. His name is Jean-Luc Godard. And one of his quotes, which is one of my favorite quotes, he said this, because he's a filmmaker, so he thinks in terms of zooming in and out. He says, life is tragedy in close-up, but comedy in a long shot. Right? Life is tragedy in close-up, comedy in long shot. Because when you zoom right into the problems that you're going through, the issues, the family squabbles, um, the, the, the physical ailments, when you go right down to that molecular level of the things happening in your body that you can't control, or your relationships, life can feel like tragedy in close up but when you zoom out, out 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 up to a certain point and you see all these little mites just moving about like through the generations and through the centuries and millennia it can seem a little funny the only difference is Koheleth is not jean luc godard and cohellef thinks that life is tragedy in close up And still tragedy in long shot And so the more he zooms out uh, You're going to see that he despairs It's weary to him To see the endless, mindless, numbing repetition of time And for him, his conclusion is Time destroys all that you love Right Now, before we get into the reading of his words I just want to say this Okay, and you will see this across our whole series in Ecclesiastes. The Koheleth makes really, really sharp observations about the world we live in. Okay, so I don't want you all to undermine him, neither do I want you all to glory, over-glorify some of the things he says. Okay? He is a really astute observer of the world we live in. Okay? As far as, in his own words, under the sun, as far as observing patterns and the nature of things happening in the world we live in, I've not read and you likely will not read anyone else in your Bible asking the questions he asks, making the observations he makes. He is unique in his ability to be incisive with his eyes and to see patterns in the world we live in and in life. And so I want you to value that a lot because he is doing something no one else He's cornered this niche In the Bible You know John can't You know uh, Luke can't You know no, None of those They don't They don't It's not that they can't They don't Okay He does He does And so I cherish Ecclesiastes Because the Koheleth does Okay But You're going to see later That he finds his answers In places that are limited And therefore he gets Answers that are finite Okay, we're going to look at that later. Let's read the Word of God. Exodus chapter 1, verse 4, we're going to sweep from 1 and then 2 and then 3. He says this, A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets, panting. It hurries back to the place where it rises, gusting to the south, turning to the north, turning, turning, goes the wind, and the wind returns in its cycle. All the streams flow to the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. All things are wearisome. More than anyone can say, the eye is not satisfied by seeing, or the ear filled with hearing. May the Lord bless the reading of His word. Father, I just pray that you help us to quicken our hearts, turn our eyes toward you, help us to look beyond time, beyond the temporal into something which is eternal. But as we probe at the limits of what is temporary, Lord Jesus. We pray that we also allow You to probe us in our hearts and in the way we've ordered our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, so um, the teacher is, is pushing into this thing. He's saying that time, repetition is weary, right? Because the picture he gives you is that of sun rising. And then when it sets, it hurries back to rise again. It's almost as if he says that there is no point at which the sun can finish shining and say, I've done my job. I've shined every shine I need to shine and I've done. I don't need to shine tomorrow again because I've completed my work. He's saying that the streams right, keep pouring and dumping water into the sea. And the sea is never satisfied. It keeps wanting, it keeps taking more waters. And it's annoying because the, as much water as you can flow into the sea over thousands and thousands of years, it's as if the sea doesn't. It will just never burst its banks. It will never uh, fill up. It's constantly hungry. And the same idea is in, in some other Hebrew scriptures that says that Sheol... The place of death is also like like that hungry monster. It just keeps devouring and devouring. There's no end to it. And so, of course, today we know the kita air, right? And we understand why the sea never actually fills up. It's because of, it's because of you know, uh, condensation and, 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 and evaporation and all that. Um, of course, Koheleth is not so much a scientist in the natural sciences. He's more of a philosopher. And so, and so he's looking at all these patterns and he's saying that all this repetition is wearisome. It just grates on me to see that you're just doing one thing and you can never get it done. There is a Greek myth, a Greek legend um, called the legend of Sisyphus. Have you all guys heard of of the legend of Sisyphus? You guys know the story. You can just give me a little wave, right? Most of you don't know, um, while I was uh, googling up uh, about the Legend of Sisyphus for visuals, I found an illustrator who did some really nice I find it really nice work to show you um, uh, to depict the legend of Sisyphus. Now Sisyphus is uh, one of the Gre- is part of the Greek. The ancient Greek pantheon, okay? Um, And so, uh, as the story goes, he cheated the Greek gods of death twice, okay? So, he eluded the Greek gods of death uh, twice. Once was Hades, another time was someone else, you know? Um, And then um, he is punished by Hades, okay, Um, uh, to go to the underworld. And his punishment is that he has to roll a giant boulder up a very steep mountain. Okay, so this is a Greek myth, right? He has to roll a giant boulder up a very steep mountain and every day, just as he is about to get his boulder to the top of the mountain and lay it to rest, just before it is done, the boulder will slip out of his hands, it will roll all the way back to the foot of the mountain and Sisyphus will have to start all over again and he has to do this for all eternity and and so if this story is true <laughs> though we know it's a great myth okay um it means that Sisyphus right now, while we're here in below he he's there in the underworld, still, ca- still rolling that boulder up in 2023, right? He's still rolling that boulder up and by the end of today, he'll make it nearly to the top and then he will slip out of his grip and he will fall all the way back down again and tomorrow on Monday, he has to restart again. Now, I know for some of you, it's not funny because tomorrow on Monday, your own Sisyphian life restarts and you have to go back down to the bottom of your own mountain and you have to push your own boulder all the way up again, you know, and it feels like just before you can clock off, an email comes in, some new work comes in, your boss says you got to get this done, your colleague has to take leave, you got to do her job for her, and all these things are so, like chaos happens, you got to jaga problems in the office, or new story breaks, you got to do something. There's always something that gets you back to the foot of the mountain. And actually in English, we call that a Sisyphean Life, right? That's how that's how he described that. You are just having to keep doing it over and over again, and that is one of the things that koheleth is trying to talk about. He's saying that it is so numbing, it is so weary, it it grates at my heart to think that we just have to keep this, doing the same things over and over again, and it never comes to a resting place. Now, I just want to immediately right now contrast it to the way God created our earthly order. He created us to work on the first and second day, the third and the fourth, and the fifth and the sixth, and on the Sabbath day, He ordains rest. God is not a God who makes you roll boulders non-stop. He actually sets apart a day for rest. Now, what has happened to that rest? That rest has been violated by the work culture, that rest has been violated by human greed, that rest has been violated by the human restlessness in our spirit, such that even if you don't have a bottom line to chase, even if you don't have a boss who is chasing, right? Um, sometimes in our own human restlessness, we just find things to do and keep doing, right? Now, what Kohelet is saying is that that spirit is gnawing away at him. Now, the he, he goes on to say something else, right? He says that in the midst of all of this activity, water rushing, sun rising, falling, rising, falling, you know, wind gushing, blowing, 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 blowing. It sounds like there's a lot of movement, but in the end, actually, if you step back, it looks like a still picture. There's so much movement, but it's like nothing's changed. Right, um, he says this. Right, he says, "What has been, is what will be. What has been done is what will be done, and there is nothing new under the sun." It's very. I, I love this. By the way, if you go check out the BM version, it also rhymes. The BM version was done such a way that what will be, what will be has has been done, done under the sun also rhymes, okay? So go pull up a BM Bible. The book is Pengkot Ba. Okay, Pengkot Ba. Very beautifully written as well. Now, um, what's, he, what's he trying to say here? He's saying that what has been in the past is going to get repeated in the future. Actually, no change one. Okay? Whatever has been done, human activity will keep getting repeated again And there is truly nothing new under the sun. And I spent some time thinking about this, and I just wrote this down. Effectively, what the teacher is saying is this. In spite of the fact that things are constantly renewing, nothing is truly new. And in spite of the fact that things are constantly moving, nothing has truly changed. It's a little bit like this. i give you a visual example. Have you ever driven on a highway and next to you is the, the divider, but the divider is one of those high dividers that have slates, right? Okay, So you, there are slates. You can see through the slates okay, to maybe the mountains behind or, the, or, or whatever is behind. But actually, if you're moving very slowly, like in a jam, then you see God don't have, God don't have, God don't have. But if you were actually to move fast, it looks like a still image of you can see through it. Have you ever experienced that before? Right? Okay. That picture, this reminds me of that picture, right? That in spite of all the movement, and sometimes maybe because of all the movement, it looks like nothing's changed. Everything stays the same. After how many hundred years, people still want the same things, right? Our technology changes, you know, the way we dress changes the way we talk changes, language evolves, but really the hearts of men want all the same things, right? And the hearts of women want the same things as well, right? And so I've been, I remember reading this, it said of creative output of books that you can write, music that you can write, um, uh, films that you can make, photographs, um, whatever you want to say, painting, visual arts, that truly there is nothing original that can be made anymore. Have you all heard this idea before? Nothing original. You can't make something original anymore. Everything that can be made has been made. The only thing you can make now is new combinations of things that have previously been made. There is nothing truly new. It is only new combinations of things that previously have already been given to you. And then, now, if you thought that that was maybe a little bit depressing, okay, the wind, the waves, the repetition, the sameness, he ends up in chapter two talking about all of these things lead to only one conclusion certain decay. Everything decays, time destroys. All you love, right? What, do, what does he say this? He says this in chapter two. I hated all the, my work that I labored under the sun, because I must leave it to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether he will be a wise? person or a foolish person, right? Who knows if if I hand over um, my business, you might be growing a business. You're an entrepreneur, right? You grow your business, you get it up to the point where it's really great. Maybe you're waiting to list it, you know, after you, you, you've listed it, you know, um, then you can exit, you know, the thing can go to ruin. I don't know. Maybe it's a tech startup. The whole point is not to build something that lasts but to just, you know, exit, you know, and then earn your money and then you're gonna restart again, right? I don't know. But the point is everything does Seem to get handed To someone else It gets passed on It gets passed on And then who knows What happens to it Right When there is a person Whose work was done With wisdom Knowledge and skill And he must what Give it Give his portion to a person Who has not worked for it That's weary That's painful Right and he's and he's talking about the decay of all earthly institutions. He is effectively. I'm going to get the team to help me with this because it just restarted. Okay. Um, now he's saying that um, all earthly institutions, every grand thing that you build, whether it is a business, okay, whether it is a, a, a very illustrious family, right, or whether it is empires. Kingdoms and empires They all come into a certain pattern Of, of progression And then uh, uh, um, uh, they peak And then they start tearing at it themselves And it, is, it starts to become incestuous And self-destructive And then the whole thing just falls apart It decays And then new empires arise New kingdoms arise New superpowers arise Life is like that Now we are living in the vestiges of the British colony We still do, right? Um, but you and I know that just in the short span of the last 60 years So much has changed And it was... Uh, we, we, we watched Charles's coronation a couple of months ago How many of you all watched that, right? Um, it was uh, interesting, you know um, to see them make a lavish pomp out of um, uh, the British monarchy. And then we were here in Malaysia, right? And we are, we, are, we are touched by it, right? Because we go out there, there are hospitals like Asunta, you know, uh, um, and schools like La Salle, you know, that have touched us before. And the British Empire has touched us before, right? Um, and it did some good, it did some bad. And uh, today, it's what it is. It's no longer the glorious thing that it was 300 years ago, right? If you can call it glorious, okay? Um, uh, and, and so things come and go, right? The institutions that we look upon today and say, wow, these massive things, right? Who could ever rival China's power today, right? These things come and go, and China has gone through its own boom and bust cycles as well, right? And one of my favorite parts of history, uh, or, or parts of history to study, is China under Mao and China after Mao, right? And so, and so that's one thing, right? Uh, the decay of all earthly institutions. Um, another area of decay—it's not going to be on the screen for now because they're fixing it—but um, it's the decay of all all physical matter, all material things will go into decay as well. So when you see, um, yeah, you can see it on the slide, right? Um, for the fate of the children of Adam and the fate of animals same. I showed you this last week, right? Because as one dies, so dies the other. Semua mati, okay. All have one breath. Semua akan hilang, okay? uh, uh, um, And then people have no advantage over animals. Everything is futile. They all go to the same place. And this is the key one, right? All come from dust. All return to dust. In fact, it's here that we get the expression. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. We say this at funerals and, and, and you know and at burial uh, services. It's from here, right? It's this idea that all of the carbon particles that make up you and I, you know, eventually uh, uh, um, decompose and become one with all the carbon particles of the grass and of the leaves and of the soil and everything. Just, just decays. And Khaledov looks at all this and says, Why? What's the point? What's the meaning to all this? It's senseless. I can't grasp this thing called life if you're telling me that it's supposed to be full of joy and all that. It's so fleeting. Bang, it's over. 80 years. Just like that, right? When you zoom far enough, it feels that way, right? And so, if I can have the next slide, you know, the is is pushing. And I just want to take a moment to just pause and... And acknowledge some of the real things, right? So we were all the way out, zoomed out. I want to zoom all the way in right now. What do these things, what do these things look like in real life? Right? Because when we talk about the certain decay, when we talk about the mind-numbing sameness, right? When we talk about the senseless repetition And it's so wary, right? It's just an idea, huh? I can tell you it's just an idea. But time and the passage of time, death and decay, these things remind us that actually we are not in control. We're not in control. And it's hard to not be in control. We want to be in control. We want to be able to control our health and so we work out, we stay fit and to a certain extent, you can. And then beyond that extent, you can't. We want to try to control our well-being, the people we surround ourselves with. So we try to surround ourselves with positive-minded people, people who will cheer us on towards our goals, you know. Um, And to a certain extent, you can control that. And beyond that, actually, it's out of your hands, right? And the same thing is true of the financial markets. You can protect yourself. you you, you You can diversify. You can put your eggs in safer baskets. But beyond a certain point, you also cannot control. And this is still an idea until you have lost money. It's still an idea until you have lost loved ones. It's still an idea until you can feel the losing of your own senses and your own body. And I want to pray into that today. I don't just want to give you lofty philosophical ideas. Because when we zoom in right right down to what's happening in your life, I know that the pain is real. And when we investigate the realities of our loss of control, I know that not being able to control creates fear, it creates anxiety, and we are anxious about the days sometimes because we don't know what to expect. It's almost sometimes as if we don't know what's around the corner. And some people are just more carefree. God bless all of you carefree people. You can just skip through life in this, in this happy-go-lucky way. I admire you, right? And then some of us are just more worrisome or worry what, right? And then we think about one million different things that's going to happen, and we can't sleep at night because we're sitting up there going like, "Oh my gosh, did I turn off the iron? Oh my gosh, did I did I start the washing machine? Uh, um, uh, what's going to happen tomorrow? You know?" Uh, and then you start calculating the next five six moves, and then you worry, and you're concerned, and sometimes it's not just trivial things. I want to pray with you right now, right? Because um, now I don't know why when we were, we were worshipping just now, and I, I thought about that slide about how you build up an institution and then you have to hand it on to someone else, right? And then who knows if that person will be foolish. And the Lord spoke to me, I don't know if this is for any one of you, I'm just going to release it out of obedience. Um, the Lord spoke to me and said that think about and talk about when elderly people manage their estate or possibly when they don't and when our people have to deal with a very difficult situation of posthumous estate management, right? Siblings fighting over assets. And I don't know, I've not experienced that personally in my life, but maybe you have. And if that is you today, the Lord wants you to know that He is still your focal Point and he is your most important inheritance. He wants you to know this. Okay, I did not plan this, the Lord spoke this, and He's impressing it upon my heart. Now, I, this is not a prophetic word from God for you to go to your siblings and say, I don't want any of it, I'm just going to walk away. It is not okay, so I'm not, I'm not managing your estate for you. I'll be very careful here, right? Because sometimes pastors say things and you all take it spiritually and you'll go do things, right? Um, I am, however, saying that God is your best inheritance. Yes, He is your best inheritance. And even if you may be going through a difficult situation with siblings whom, as children, you used to love and have fun with, um, and then today you're all adults and it's really difficult, um, He wants you to know that To conduct yourself in a way that honours Him, glorifies Him, um, and in a way that shows off that He is your best inheritance. So you do not have to do some of the things that you would need to do to hustle in order to get what you think you should get. Do stand firm. Do stand in the Lord. And allow Him to constantly renew your heart so that He is your best inheritance. I want to pray for you. Father, I just want to thank you for every single one of us. We're not done yet, but I just want to pray. Father, I pray that for those of us who are going through difficult seasons of watching time come and go, watching big things fall and break, going through seasons of having to bury dreams, bury projects, before they ever really grew up and took root, um, of having to see mother and father's big projects get torn apart. Um, Father, in all these things, we want to turn to you. We want to say, Lord Jesus, that you are our light, you are our life, you are our sustenance, and because you are our greatest inheritance, we can move through life with a fixed point of reference and knowing that we already have the greatest gift of all. And everything else you give, you can still take away. Even if we were to wrest it out of someone else's hands, if you wanted to take it away, you still can. So Lord Jesus, more than getting our hands on something, we want ourselves in your hands. So Lord Jesus, help us to voluntarily put ourselves into your hands so that you can shape us, you can mould us, and you can carry us over the storm. So Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now I said just now um, that Kohaleth is asking crucial and difficult questions. And they are some of the best observations and questions in the Bible. But he does look for his answers under the sun. you hear this expression, under the sun, under the sun, a lot in the book of Ecclesiastes. And because he looks for answers, answers under the sun guess what he gets solutions that are from under the sun right what where you look is what you'll find it's a very it's a very simple principle if you're looking for something under the sofa you'll find stuff that's under the sofa right and so if you're looking for stuff and answers to life under the sun In other words On an earthly level You will find finite solutions Okay, So I'm just going to show this to you right? When you see the expression Under the sun In the book of Ecclesiastes It's talking about things here on earth right? It's talking about the material world Versus speaking of under the sun Means here in our earthly life Whether it's earthly life with God Or earthly life without God Now some commentators Spiritualize the under the sun And they say that all the mentions of under the sun Is about no God, right? Because above the sun then is God, right? But under the sun on earth, there's no God Actually, that doesn't quite hold up If you just replace that thinking in all the verses Where you see under the sun He's talking about earthly solutions He's talking about earthly observations He's talking about the material and space-time world, right? And so, if you're looking for answers there, you will find finite solutions. And your finite solutions will only take you so far, and that's why Ecclesiastes can sometimes be such a depressing-sounding book. It's because the solutions that Kohelet derives are finite. They will only take you so far, and they don't take you beyond the thousand hallelujahs that you're going to sing in this life. Do you know what I mean? You're going to sing a thousand hallelujahs in this life and then you're going to die. And Koheleth, his answers, his solutions to life go only up to that point. And beyond that, he can't see. But his father, if it was Solomon, his father could see. And which is why it's so important that I showed this to you last week, right? When one, what one generation tolerates, the next generation will indulge. And David tolerated some of that worldly self-seeking you know and his son indulged that part of his father's permission and and but you can see that his father had a much bigger wider more transcendent view of how to live and you see this in the Psalm of david 139 he says this and throughout our ecclesiastes series every time you see a yellow slide right is quote for this is the answer, okay? This is the transcendent answer, the New Testament version, the Christological view, or something like that, okay? All the black ones is the depressing ones, okay? Alright. <laughs> Visual information, it's important, right? David says this, Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I fly on the wings of the dawn and settle on the western horizon, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. God is not limited. He is not finite. He is infinitely there. He is omnipresent. Right? He is infinitely accessible wherever you go. And he doesn't just stop there. So in these verses, he's talking about how he cannot run away from God like Jonah, who tried to run away from God and couldn't. Yeah. David is saying, I can't. Everywhere I go, you'll be there. And then he goes from the, from the, from the wide shot to the close-up, and he goes into extreme close-up, and he says this: "For it was you who created me in my inward pa- my inward parts, right? You created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Oh, I will praise you. Why? Because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book, and you plan before a single one of them began." God to King David, rightly so, is infinite. God to King David, rightly so, is intimate. He is infinite. He is intimate. He goes and transcends beyond all of life and death. And yet, He is close to you. Yet, He loves you. He formed you. He knows you. Before you rise up from your seat, he knows you want to rise up. Before you sit down, he knows you want to sit down. When you want to pick something up, he knows you want to pick that up. He knows the concerns of your heart. He knows the needs. He knows the passions. He knows the passions you indulge and the passions that you struggle uh, 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 to to not indulge. He knows everything. And he loves you, he doesn't judge you, he is for you, not against you, he is growing you, he wants to raise you up like a child into a mature adult. That's our God. And so, the answers that you're going to see in Ecclesiastes will only take you to the furthest lengths of what is under the sun, but God is infinite and beyond the sun, God is intimate and deep. Inside. And he shows that through his SON son. But back to Ecclesiastes. Remember all those things about repetition in chapter 3. Interestingly, in case you thought, oh my gosh, this is going to be such a depressing day, right? It's not. Because in chapter 3, suddenly, somehow, Kohelet snaps out of that weary thing, okay? And he does have a glimpse of the eternal. For a short chapter... He half a chapter actually because the rest of chapter 3 he goes back to groaning about life but for the brief half a chapter of chapter 3 he suddenly can glimpse the eternal he suddenly can glimpse that God is infinite and intimate right and he breaks into a song uh, sung by the birds to everything turn turn turn." you all know this song? how many of you all know this song? it's such a beautiful song there is a season, turn, 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 and a time for every purpose under heaven. Right? It's a song, it's, it's, it's Bible, okay? It's a verbatim, uh, tran- verbatim lifting off of the King James uh, uh, translation of Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 to I think 9. Um, and to everything, there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. The birds, go Spotify, it's a beautiful song, right? And then he goes on to list a bunch of pears, right? A bunch of pears. And the song, as it would, goes: A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to reap. A time to kill, a time to heal, a time to laugh, a time to weep, right? And then he goes back to everything, turn, turn. You're in a singing mood now, right? There is a season, turn, 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 and a time for every purpose. Under heaven. And then he goes on, okay? He says there is a time to build up, a time to break down, a time to dance, and a time to mourn. They are in pairs, okay? Build up, break down, dance, and mourn. A time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones together. There is a time to love, a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. A time you may embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing. I've had to learn that. To let go of a brother recently. And there are days where I enjoyed embrace and then there's a day to come where you have to let go of that embrace. A time to gain. A time to love. A time to rend. A time to sow. A time for love. A time for hate. A time for peace. Just to make it rhyme, they end it with, I swear it's not too late. You see, my friends, what is he suddenly able to see? It's like he sees through a gap in the curtain where the limits of our existence is. And he sees through that gap and he says, you know what? God has made everything beautiful in its time. right?" And this is a very deep idea and I want to encourage you to go home and really mull on it. I kind of spend time mulling on it Maybe I mulled too long on it Until 4 in the morning right? um, No, I was making slides um, But What does it mean for God to make everything beautiful In its time? It's beautiful, but it's not just any time beautiful It's beautiful In its time Right? Timing, Kawai, that's right Timing makes things beautiful Now, there are different ways to think about it I think I can only give you two Right? Um, but I'm sure there are, more, there are more layers to mine in this Right, Repetition is beautiful When we are in step With what each season calls for It's beautiful when it is in time How many of you are dancers? Ballroom dancers You have to dance with a partner You don't just dance by yourself right? You have to dance with a partner Right When you dance with a partner, it's beautiful when you are in time. Everything is beautiful in time. When everything is not in time, it's chaotic, right? And you can't it's not it, it, it's a dance it's still a dance. It's just very modern, right? Um, repetition is beautiful when we are in step with what each season calls for. and so, my friends, you know that doing the right thing is not enough sometimes. You've got to do the right thing at the right time, right? Um, you can do the right thing late and it won't look beautiful sometimes. And, and we all know this as adults, that obedience is what God calls us to, but delayed obedience, past a certain point of delay, is not obedience, right? Delayed obedience comes sometimes, it's not obedience, right? And so to be in step with the Lord and I just want to throw you, not on the slides, but go to Galatians chapter 5 in your own devotion. And look at what God says about being in step with the Spirit. Because when you are in step with the Spirit, His, the Spirit is in you growing maturity, growing All the things like love and joy, peace and patience, kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. He does all these things, growing them in you when you are walking in step. And that's beautiful. When you're walking out of step with God, it is misaligned. There's no sink. And it's, it's syncopated maybe And, I'm not, and I, I guess some of you like syncopated music And jazz can be nice, you know But to, to, to jazz with God and go into, in, into syncopation with God I'm not sure, right? Even syncopation has to be done correctly, right? Um, and so repetition is beautiful when we are in step Everything is beautiful in its time But there's another way to think about it as well Repetition is beautiful because cycles create anticipation for meaningful familiarity. Now, it's a bit there to take in. Just look at it again. Rep- the Kohalath is saying that all these repetitions, it's stupid, it's boring, it's numbing, and ultimately fruitless and meaningless. Why? Because you keep doing the same things over and over and over again. What? In that little window, he looks through the curtain and he says, no, actually everything is beautiful in its time. And what does that mean? It says that when repetition creates cycles of anticipation for a meaningful familiarity, it's a beautiful thing. And how, where do we see this? Again, God's created order. He gives us the evening, He gives us the morning, the first day. He gives us the evening and the morning the second day. He gives us rhythms to life, repetitive rhythms to life. These are not thought of by a maniacal, evil God who wants to make numbing systems for us to go through, right? Maybe that's our own kind of ideas about how to steward creation. But God gives us life Giving repetitive cycles So that How many of you For you Friday is your favourite Your, your, your favourite day Friday evening Is your favourite evening Of the week Right How many of you That's you That's you Okay Okay Why Why is Friday evening Your favourite evening Of the week It's because There is a Saturday it's because there is a Saturday and a Sunday. Guess what? It's only so nice because there's a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and the half of the first Friday which were, you know, had its own flavour which made Friday night's flavour different. Okay? And because... Now, if you go through that cycle once, I guarantee you Friday night won't be your favourite evening because you only experience it once. You can't have a favourite thing if you only experience it once. Because you don't know, you don't return to it. If you don't return to it, you can't call it your favourite. you. No, that's not true. Okay? But you know it's your favorite because you've returned to it many times. And the repetition creates meaningful familiarity. And on Thursday evening, you're planning for the weekend. And on Friday lunch, you're already thinking tonight, what am I going to do? Right? Right? And so on Friday night, you're like, yay, say it. it's Friday night. Come on, right? This is how we do it. How many of you are familiar with The Little Prince? The Little Prince is a beautiful small book. Okay, um, How many of you, you are like The Little Prince? Raise your hand. I, I love The Little Prince. I read it as an 18-year-old. Loved it. There's a passage in here um, where the prince is having a conversation with the fox. Okay? And uh, the fox says to the prince, It would have been better for you to come back at the same hour said the fox. For if, for example, you come at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, then at 3 o'clock, I shall begin to be happy. I shall feel happier and happier as the hour advances. At 4 o'clock, I shall already be worrying and jumping about. I shall show you how happy I am. And then the fox says this, but if you come at just any time, and he means any random unplanned time, I shall never know what, my, what hour my heart is to be ready to greet you. One must observe proper rites. What is a rite? Asked the little prince. Those are also actions too often neglected, said the fox. They are what makes one day different from other days. One hour from other hours. And so, as I was thinking about the Koheleth and how he sees the the, the repetitive cycling of life as a dreary thing. I thought about the fox. And I thought about the fox because for the fox, he sees that there is one part of the circle he likes. You need a circle? There's one little segment in the circle he likes. And it's meaningful to him. That's relationship. There is infinite and intimate relationship right there in that segment. And if you have that, the rest of the circle becomes an anticipation for that segment. Does that make sense? And so, my friends, I don't know what is your favourite time of the week, I don't know what is your favourite time of the day, or your favourite season of the year, or your favourite holiday of the year, but I do know that God comes into the mundane and He makes that little segment in your repetitive life meaningful. For me, Honestly, one of my favourite new little segments is after church on Sundays. When we bust out all the tables and we gather and we eat and we are going to have King's Table later. And to me, these things make life meaningful because I don't just stand here and do a one-directional thing with you. I get to get on the floor, see you guys, talk to you guys, hear your stories and God willing, be able to pray for one, two, three, maybe even more of you and that makes life beautiful everything it becomes beautiful in its right time repetitive repetition is beautiful because cycles create anticipation for meaningful familiarity right he has also set eternity in the human heart now this you can take it home right this is the heart of the response to everything else Kohelet is saying. He has set a desire inside us for something that longs for what lies beyond that curtain. You go all the way to the end, at the end of the curtain is black. But on one day, he saw a split in the curtain and he knows now there is something beyond that line. And he says, I want that. You know what? I've always longed for something beyond. I've always longed for something out there. Right, And uh, if you're a fan of Disney How many of you are a fan of Moana? Moana fans? Yeah, Moana fans, right? Um, there's a song in Moana called How Far I'll Go And Moana is an islander She's, a, she's a da- chief, the chief's daughter, right? And she's constantly wondering what's outside What's beyond my island, right? How far will I go to explore and to see what lies beyond? That is in all our hearts and so you may have a child and sometimes boys get unfairly, uh, unfairly stereotyped for this, right? Ah, oh, So naughty, uh. every day want to climb over there. So naughty, every day want to run out there. So naughty, uh. every, everything was so naughty. Actually, you know what? It's not naughty. Eternity has been put into his heart. Or if it's a girl, eternity has been placed in her heart. She longs to go and see how far they can go because it's there it's something in them when they are children they will move and it will be a material physical kind of pushing the limits to try to see actually what lies beyond right another Disney reference right I look once more just around the river bend right beyond the shore right what lies there I want to see I want to know I want to explore I need to know because, because I need to know if there's something beyond and out there. What is it? It's the call to know that there is a transcendent God. It's a call to know that there is eternity beyond this. Because if there is no eternity beyond this, then we eat, drink and be merry, law, because tomorrow we die. Law, and that's it. There's nothing more, right? So let's just live in revelry and forget it. But it's beyond, there is something more That's why all these songs drive us Towards that that trying to look And that's why we put fences around our children And we just teach them that yes, there is something And then we carry them with us And we go on adventures with them Because when we go on adventures with them Then they see there is something more And then their eyes widen And guess what, your eyes will also widen And you have to be brave on their behalf And then you go out there, you try something new You break new frontiers You get scared You grow courage, you get wounded, and you win some victories. You come back with victories under your belts and some defeats as well, and you come back and you go like, there is a God out there. He is from eternity to eternity. I have seen Him, I have experienced Him, because I know that life is far beyond these four walls of my little kampung, right? And I know I've said this before in previous weeks I'm saying it again Why? Because God has set something in us And it's not just physical It's not just your kampung It's something to do with like, our deep inner longing To have meaning that is beyond this Four score and twenty years right? And that's why we long for eternity And guess what? You will get your eternity You will get your eternity All of us go into eternity I don't want to talk about eternity without Christ. There's another day to talk about eternity without Christ and frankly, it greets me to talk about that. I want to talk to you about eternity with Christ. Because when there is eternity with Christ, all of this rumbling and all of this rest, inner restlessness, this, this groaning inside us, is going to find a final resting place. And your Sisyphean rolling of that boulder, every day you roll, every day you push, every day you slog, and every day the thing falls down again and you have to go back down to push it all up again. And every day you see all of your Sisyphean life. Guess what? In Christ, one day He lays that boulder to rest. And you step into the truest version of Shabbat, Sabbath. You work day two. You work day four. You work day six. Your whole life, you step into final rest. And final rest is not lying in a coffin. Final rest is rest full worship full full life with God with Christ he who is the author of life gives you final rest from the labours from the toil from the meaningless and senseless boulder rolling this is the picture the Bible gives you of new Jerusalem when all is finished When Satan has been punished, he's been thrown into the lake of fire and the existing heavens and earth are torn up and this descends from heaven. He carried me away in the Spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, New Jerusalem. Jerusalem coming down out of the heavens from God. I'm going to skip a few verses. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives light. So the Lord gives light. There will no longer be cycles of day and night, because there's no sun, there's no planetary uh, uh, system, there's no solar uh, 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 system, you know, there is no more 24-hour cycle, you know, of the earth's revolution around uh, um, on its own axis. There will be no longer any of that. Right? There is no need for that. Because God will be your light. He will be our light. And His light will be enough. It will dispel all darkness, right? And the Lamb will be its lamp. Jesus, the, the sacrificed and resurrected King Jesus, will be the light for all of us when we get there. There will be no more night. There will, be not, there will be no more need for a light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and forever. That's the thousand hallelujahs and a thousand more. I want to invite the worship team to come on stage. Because God calls us out of the mundane repetition of our living into something eternal but you know what my friends we have to live through we have to live through our normal day by day we still have to go to work tomorrow unless some of you like me have your off day tomorrow right thank god, thank god right um We still have to go back to the toil. We still have to face our bottom line. We still have to face our financial uh, 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 reports. We still have to face the growth or the lack of growth. We still have to go through all of that. But when you have God, when you have Christ in the vessel, there is a segment in the circle that has genuine meaning and there's moments that break beyond that curtain where you can say that this is something truly transcendent. And I find it, I find those transcendent moments in very mundane earthly things like having a meal with loved ones. And I'm looking forward to ending this service so that I can step into something transcendent. And I know you have your own. Find those moments of transcendence because in those cycles when you have a meaningful heart to keep repeating too it spurs you on and god has made that beautiful and it is in its time and then he sets eternity in your heart so that you long to see out your days and all of your repetitions and step beyond the curtain into eternal glory now if any of you have never made a decision that you want to spend eternity with Christ like that. Today, I want to give you an opportunity to make that call. And it's to say a prayer and say, God, I want whatever, wherever you are, I want that. Because I have tasted, I've tasted, I've seen, I've experienced this. At its best, it's quite good. At it's worst, it's really not worth repeating but if you've promised forever and ever that you will be my light and you will be my life and you'll wipe away every tear from my from my eye and you will renew my body so that i have a renewed spirit a renewed body a renewed uh, 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 an everlasting right an everlasting physicality a resurrected body like yours I want that. If I can have that, I want that. If that is you, I want all of our eyes closed, all of our heads bowed because I want you to just repeat this prayer. You can say it quietly to yourself. And for the rest of us, for those of us who have given our lives to Jesus, I want you to just say this prayer as a renewal of your own covenant and a renewal of your own vow before the Lord. Lord Jesus, today I hear there is eternity and it sounds like a good eternity when it's an eternity spent with you today i want to make a decision to have you in my eternity i say yes to jesus and eternity with jesus i say yes to a life living towards that eternity with jesus i say yes Because I have seen everything else. And today I say no to all the other counterfeits. And I say yes to Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.